G'day detailers, Daily. Before we kick off today's episode, I'd like to make welcome Autofiber Australia, our new sponsor. So as we all know, one thing uh, when it comes to professional detailing, it's really important to use the right microfiber for the job, especially when it comes to ceramic coatings, glass cleaning, and etc. So the guys at Autofiber Australia are offering an exclusive deal to all our uh, detailing down under podcast listeners. So they're giving us 15% off on our first order. Um, so head on over to autofiber.com.au and use the code 15DDUP. Also, if you are a business owner, uh, you can also email Autofiber Australia. So that's sales at autofiber.com.au and that'll get you 10% off and you set up your trade account for that. So uh, seriously amazing, good stuff really. I've been using their um, applicators and scrub ninjas for a while now, even before this pod. So um, yeah, I really like the the brand and what they offer. So, and um, I wouldn't support it if I didn't like it. So head on over and uh, see for yourself how good they really are and their products. So, um, so thanks again, Auto Fiber Australia, for coming on board and uh, hope you enjoy today's episode. Thanks. Welcome to the Detailing Down Under podcast, the place for everything auto detailing in Australia right now. Here's your host. Dale Guthrie. G'day and welcome to the Detailing Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Dale Guthrie. So we're back into it. Another week, another pod, and um, got a good one today as well. But also from last week, um, for those who haven't listened, but... um, yeah, with Maddie from Bushwraps and Slick As on. Yeah, there was um great response from that one and um it's going really well. So yeah, a lot of good feedback and um she definitely surprised a few in the industry and um she has a great work work ethic. So um yeah, I hope we learn a little bit out of that one and um yeah, if you haven't already check out Slick As and Bushwraps to see what they do. So it's been really good. Um for this week, uh this guy here I actually met when I think we spoke about last week. So um, we've got Rudy from Best Spoke Detailing in Queensland on the sunny coast. Yep. And, um, yeah, so I met Rudy while we were up there training and um, he knows the girls out there, slick as and bush wraps pretty well as well. So um, yep. welcome, Rudy. Thank you very much. Thank you. How are you? Pretty good. Yep. That's right. That's right. Bit uh, terrible weather down here in, in South Oz, but... Yes. Um, we had a bit of a crappy weekend, a lot of rain, but today is the sun's cracking the stones out there. It's, it's hot, sticky and steamy. Oh, wish we had that. But... Yeah, we could swap you. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the cold for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah it's, it shouldn't be like how it is at the moment, but compared yeah. to everywhere else, we're not flooded, so which is good. But um, True. True. yeah, there's a lot of others out there doing it worse off and yep. that definitely, so... All right, we'll uh, get into it. So, um, Rudy, so how you been into detailing? How long have you been doing it? Where did you start? Detailing. So for me, uh, it sort of started on a – whenever I was young, so my, my mum remarried, so my stepdad's a mechanic by trade. Uh, and for me, during school, to earn a little bit of money on the side when I was a kid, I used to just sort of valet, that's what they call it, over back home in Ireland in the U.K., um, whatever he had in the shop, any sort of big services that I could jump in and sort of do a little basic clean inside and outside. I was like 15, 16, so it was 
absolutely nothing special, but that's kind of where the detailing bug sort of started. Um, and then in 2009, I moved out to Australia, um, worked in a few jobs and stuff, and I just, I didn't enjoy it. A lot of them were office jobs and I just hated being inside. So I sort of researched the crap out of what I could do that involved me being outside a little bit and interacting with people more than just in a retail environment or that sort of stuff. So yeah, got into detailing. I started out mobile. Uh, so the first probably two and a half years, I'd say, was all solely mobile or I had a, like a garage at home, a double bay garage that I could work out of for the larger stuff. But mainly it was all back in 2014, I think I started full time. Uh, sort of sort of packed in the nine to five day job working in a bank and thought, stuff it, let's give this a crack. If it fails, then I can go back with my tail between my legs and ask for my old job back. But yeah, it, thankfully it's stuck and I'm still in it today. Yeah, nice. Where would you where were you based back say when you come to Australia and know where was that where did you land then? Yeah, so I when I first moved out, I, I sort of Coolum up on the Sunshine Coast was my base. I had an aunt and uncle who used to live there. They've since moved back to the UK. Um, but for me, that was sort of base for the first couple of months to readjust. So I came over in the October, which is like just about to crawl into the depths of winter in Ireland, which is freezing cold, mm. and to land into October heat in Queensland. So I left when it was two degrees and landed in Brisbane at 34 degrees at nine o'clock in the morning. And I was just like, massive culture shock. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, first thing I did was off to the shop at the airport and bought myself some boardies and a couple of t-shirts because I was not prepared for that sort of heat that quick. But yeah, so Coolum. And then whenever I started, the business was actually up in Noosa, which is sort of like the north end of the Sunshine Coast. Um, and that, like I said, that was all mobile up there for the first couple of years. And then I procrastinated and sort of finally bit the bullet and got myself a shop and sort of talked myself into getting a shop for like a year saying to myself, I'd love one, I'd love one, I'd love one. Working in the shed at home and the garage was getting a little bit small and not that professional looking because I had all my, like I love camping and stuff. So it was full of camping gear and whatever. So it didn't look the best. So finally took the plunge to get a shop and never looked back after that, to be honest. I kicked myself that I didn't do it sooner. But yeah, it was, it, it went well. It was just a little bit of an adjustment period, like with, clients and also myself in terms of how to run the books to you know how to service things mobile for certain parts of the day or certain days of the week and then certain days or parts of the day in the shop but it didn't take long within a few months i was only doing like half a day a fortnight maybe mobile all the rest was in the shop so nice. you build those things up inside your head and you, you sort of get freaked out and oh crap is this going to work you know customers are going to drop away but the customers that do drop away, you're more convenient for others. So mm. businesses really like it when you have a location. So I picked up a lot of business work. So it just filled out whatever fell away. So I got quite lucky with that. Yep. Yeah. I know um, after being to Noosa recently, when I come and see you, that weather up there, that'd be pretty crazy being mobile. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was not nice, um, especially being Irish. I'm not used to <laughs> used to having to work out in that scorching heat. So your days, you'd start early, kind of a bit like everybody else up here. So um, I sort of was on the road for like 6.30 some days. You try and finish for like 3 o'clock. After that, you start to get headaches and get cooked, and mm. it's just not nice. Um, 
But thankfully, some of the places I would go to, or quite a few of them, would have car ports or something, so you weren't in the harsh sun. But yes, yeah, so, some of the jobs you'd have to pick and choose that you could do or what you could tolerate. You know, there wasn't very often I'd ever have to postpone or cancel because of the heat. But there were a couple of times where I just got sick. He's dehydrated. It's mm. not good. Yeah, yeah. It's full noise. That mobile gig, especially up there, add that yeah, temperature of the, shoot, the climate. Shoot. Yeah, absolutely huge respect for the people who do it. Um, me personally, it was probably probably the best thing for me to do in terms of because I was very fresh into detailing. Like I, I knew how to wash a car and vacuum a car. I wasn't detailing fanatic. I wasn't incredible at that back at that time. You know, I would hate to look at the the job I did the very first time to what I do now. You know, the, mm. the, the standards and whatever change. But mobile sort of gets you to really punch in your processes because um, your, your time, time is money. Whereas sometimes when you're in a shop or working from home, you can get a little bit lackadaisy sometimes, or I do anyway, not saying everybody else, but you can take your time in areas where if you were mobile, you wouldn't. So yep. yeah, yeah, it's right. definitely helped with the process learning and that sort of stuff. Or you learned a lot about your products when you're mobile, especially in the, in the, if you were out in the sun or something like that, you know, what you could put on a car or interiors and stuff, stuff getting hot or, yeah, you just had to, you, you learn fast, you learn very fast, not well. Yep. So uh, how long in Noosa were you again? So I started in 2014 up there and I got the shop in, I think it was early 2017 or late 2016. And I closed that because I did a year and a half over in Scotland in 2019. Uh, so, yeah, so from uh, 2014 to 2019, uh, April 2019, so four and a half years, say. Um, and then, yeah, did did Scotland and detailed in Scotland as well for the whole time. And that was that was interesting. Completely different climate. Yeah. So, yeah. But that, yeah. So Noosa was really good, actually. I had a real nice big shop up there. It was just four walls i sort of put in a, a partition wall to sort of close off one of the bays so it was more correction sort of side and polishing on one side and then the other side was just everything else but i was very very lucky with that shop because outside we had a it was like a a closed in sort of undercover car park sort of section at the back um, so you could clean cars any weather and you were in the shade you were out of the elements so it was it was probably the perfect spot uh, if I didn't go over to Scotland, I would still be there now. So, yeah. But yeah, glad we did Scotland. So it was nice. Where in where in Scotland were you there? So we went over to so my other half. She was offered a position in like a government job over there in in Edinburgh, the, oh, the yeah. capital. Yep. Um, gorgeous city. It's, it's almost reminds me of it's very old, loads of history and stuff, which I love. Um. It did remind me very much of Ireland. So where my family live in Ireland is quite rural. So Scotland's very similar to Ireland, but probably on a, like a times three or times four scale in terms of like size of the hills and mountains and landscape and stuff. Um, but yeah, in Edinburgh, which was a really nice city, small, like it wasn't a huge, it wasn't like London or any of those mm. big sprawling metro areas. It's You could literally walk from one side to the other and, a couple of hours it wasn't a big place but it was nice it was really nice nice good vibe about it it wasn't 
hectic like some places are, like Brisbane and stuff like that. It doesn't interest me. Yeah, I've done a bit of touring in London and I've been to Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're famous for their, their comedy festival, isn't it? They're famous for. Yeah. So actually, that was brilliant. The Fringe. Yeah. Yep. So we, when we were over there, we were able to tack that into whenever we lived there. That was brilliant. That was so much fun. It's like every night you go out and see a, a comedy gig or a, there was even quite a bit of music on at that time. So there was, there was always some awesome food. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's good. So that obviously um, brought you back from back to Oz after did you? Yeah. So we we uh, so COVID started to happen for us over there. Oh yeah. Uh, so it would have been sort of our mid twenty twenty, I think it was. Um. Yeah. So Chelsea's visa, so my other half, her visa was in eighteen months, sort of like a. They, they do it sort of, you know, Aussies can go and work in the UK and vice versa. People from the UK can come over here for 18 months and do a, like a work placement sort of thing. Um, and her, because of the lockdowns, they kept getting extended and extended and Scotland was quite strict. Um, they were offering her month by month extensions of her visa. So it just kept prolonging and prolonging, but it was getting harder and harder to try and source a flight back. Yeah. Um, so while we were over there, we were just sort of doing what we could do. I was, me, luckily through detailing, it wasn't too badly affected. There was a few days off here and there every week, um, COVID and people sick and whatever, but we battled through it. Me and the Jason who I worked with over there at his, his business privilege detail. Um, yeah, so we, we eventually came back, I think it was like mid 2020, um, Unfortunately, we moved back to Melbourne. <laughs> so out of one lockdown, we, so we had all our stuff in storage up here in Queensland. So we came back. We had to do the two-week quarantine in the hotel in the Goldie. Came up to the sunny coast, packed all our stuff in a container, got it shipped down to Melbourne. Following week, moved into Melbourne, and two weeks later, we're in lockdown. So, it was, <laughs> yeah, so it was. We just transferred from one to the other, essentially. So we did yeah. our 12 months there and we, we ran back to the Sunshine Coast after that. Yeah, yeah. don't blame you. Yeah, that was the worst. Worst place. Wasn't for nice. It. Wasn't pleasant. It wasn't good. No. Yeah. Now, Melbourne's nice. Good for a weekend. But yeah, no, I couldn't live there. But... Yeah. No, no, I don't think I could do it again. Mm. Look, the places I worked down there. So I managed a, a detailing shop called Detail Mode down there. Actually, Meander, the owner there, she might be a great guest for you, female. Incredible detailer, wealth of knowledge. Reckon I've seen um, awesome work. I, I learned a lot there. Um, and then sort of I did probably manage that place for just under a year. And then for the last few weeks before I moved back up to Queensland, um, I was helping out at a place called the House of Tint, which is there just a PPS studio. Um, yes, it's got tint in the name, but... Mm. They specialize more or less. They're, they're Expel installers. Uh, so Travis and Trish, husband and wife team, absolute guns. Um, so worked in some epic cars there. So that's where I probably started to evolve the, the PPF skill a bit more there. Uh, I helped out, obviously, with the PPF side of things, but they did detailing as well, so ceramic coatings and all that sort of stuff. So I was I was a good addition for them. It was, it was sad to, to leave there because it was a good little – team it was good fun but 
yeah, yep. I don't know from Melbourne. Yeah. 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 Wow. So is that where? So you left Melbourne? Are you straight into where you were now, or not? Yeah. So we came up um, in the sort of like June sort of time of twenty twenty one, and um, sort of I was had said to myself I was going to take like two months off and all that sort of stuff and those plans don't go like that because you get bored pretty damn quick because I'm always I've always worked I've never not been working I think the longest I ever had off work was when I first came to Australia and that was like six weeks yep. and I was pulling my hair out then but so yeah we came back up um and we were Chelsea got work right away um and then we I wasn't sure where I wanted to restart the business um so the previous business was just Rudy's Detailing Studio. So it had my name in it, which is absolutely fine. But from a long-term business view, I sort of had other friends and stuff sort of say, why don't you just call it like a, a name instead of having your name in it? It's harder potentially to sell down the track. Mm. Um, so that's where we came up. We were driving around Melbourne when we came up with the name of Bespoke Detailing. So we were... It was always in the pipeline that when we moved back that I'd re- reopen a business, but we weren't sure where on the coast. So we did quite a couple of, I'd say two or three weekends. We were driving around. We're sort of thinking the Maruchidor area because it's quite central and we just couldn't find a unit that sort of would work for us uh, or for me anyway. So we, we drove down into here. So I'm in Bora, which is in the, at the back of Calandra. It's a brand new business park out here and it's, they're all brand new builds. And the unit that I got shown through by the real estate was an immediate box ticker in terms of the layout and stuff for me because I've worked in a few shops. So I sort of know in terms of workflow what not to go for. So the shop I had done in Melbourne was like a, a long skinny unit. So it was you could probably fit two cars wide, but we had a bay down the back where we did all the corrections and coatings and all our restoration work in there. But when that car was finished, the two cars that were in front of it had to be taken out of the shop mm. for that tar- car to come out. So we worked it out and we did over, uh, I think it was 10 to 12 hours a week we spent moving vehicles. Wow. So it's a day's worth of work. Mm. You lose out, if not more. We, we had a couple of staff there as well. So it's almost someone's wage per day that you were spending on moving cars in a car park all day. So. Yeah. So I knew, no, it's not. So I sort of knew from the outset kind of the sort of layout I wanted to have. You, you, you popped your head into the shop when mm. you were up here on holiday. So I've got the two bays. So I've got one side is more for the machining and correction and um, polishing side. And then I've got the full light bay for, for coatings and interiors. And it's epic for PPF. So mm. yeah, I've got some plans for the sort of increase and sort of, work out the workflow better for the shop soon so yep get more get more work through so i can afford to do all the <laughs> upgrades so pull no, the it's, it's a good shop and yeah you've Thank you. been brand new it, it was awesome to see and yeah yeah it was a bit of a risk but i guess like i've done that scary bit before in terms of taking that plunge to go out by yourself so i just made sure i had a little bit of money behind that i could cover costs for the first sort of like i don't know three or four months I managed to negotiate a couple of months worth of rent for free and I paid a couple of months in advance so I knew for the first sort of like four or five months I didn't have to worry about that big scary bill mm. um so it gave me a little bit of time I don't know Calandra that well or didn't back then so 
it's building a brand new customer base and all that sort of stuff. So, and I've been a bit lazy and slack, I guess, in the terms of side of advertising and marketing. I've only really done whatever I've done through my socials and that, yep. that's it really. So, but it's going really well. I can't complain. It's taken along nicely. Nice. Lise, yeah, um, obviously your partner was on board with it as well. Yeah, she was. Yeah. So she yep. works full time as well so in her own job. Like she's a, yep. got a background in psychology, so she's, she's busy. Um, yeah. So she's, she's awesome. She comes every now and again and pitches in, gives me a hand. You know, stretching out the PPF for bonnets. You need an extra <laughs> pair of hands for that. So yeah, she's she's the willing, the willing uh, accomplice there. I can relate yeah. to that one. Yeah, for no, sure. nice. Um, you probably touched on it there. The challenges of starting out, obviously, the rent, probably something yeah, the, everyone remembers. Yeah, so I think I'm a big person on numbers, so I like to. I, Nothing like what Maddie was last week. That lady's a yeah. machine. Um, but in terms of sort of trying to forecast what my expenditures and stuff are going to be, I sort of try and work to sort of earn that chunk first. And then everything else after that is either back into the business or for myself or whatever for the first 12 months. It's, the business eats the money, essentially. Um, mm. You're just reinvesting into material products, you know, extra bits you want to do to the shop or lighting or machines and signage or websites, all those sorts of things. So it's money doesn't go very far, you know, when you, when you sit down and work out your spreadsheets or your math or whatever. Mm. One, it only takes one thing to sort of kick that out. But I guess that the biggest, the challenge to begin with, um, if you're able to, I know it's not a luxury everyone can afford, um, if you're starting out mobile, obviously your overheads are so much less. Um, if someone's starting out there, if they're thinking of doing it, I would probably lean towards if you can go mobile first, you'll learn so much more. You'll learn your processes, what to do first, what to do second, what to do third. Your pack up and re, you know, tear down and tear up sort of stuff of, you know, set up. Um, it just helps so much more. And then whenever you get in, if you do get a premises, if you want to go down that path, you sort of know how you want things or where you want things to be. If, you know, if you wash a car in a certain location of your shop or something, you know to have the certain gear around you for that job. Then if you move it into an interior section, you have those things sort of lined up and ready. Just makes the process so much easier. Um, customers, yeah, they can be hard to come by sometimes, but the greatest thing in the world is word of mouth. It's, yep. I haven't spent a penny on Facebook ads or marketing or anything like that since this new business. Um, I don't need to, so mm. which is which is good and saves another bill. But yeah, word of mouth. If you can get a few people around you that are close and that value what you do, then you know they're worth it you know, 5,000 bloody letterbox drops or an ad in the newspaper or your local radio or something, those those people will bring you money every day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we hear that a lot. And even the mobile side starting out, there's a few yeah. guys that have done that and said the same thing. So, yeah, yeah I never tried it, but probably would have been easy, I, I, I guess. Yeah. I, I, sort of, I, I sort of treated the mobile side of things as like an apprenticeship. Yep. So, you know, I learned all the, 
trials and tribulations of even trying to correct a car in someone's garage. You know, you're, you're walking around with one or two spotlights. So you've got isolated light to try and do what you can do. And then, and then that's when you get the creative juices flowing in your mind. It's like, God, oh, this would be so much better if I had a shop or a garage that was catered out at home, you know, to the way I need it to be. Um, and that's just where it all sort of snowballed from. I just got more into, I, I love correcting paint um like texture removal or wet sanding restorations all those sorts of, I, I love all that stuff um so it's yeah you just sort of get into that and you know yourself when you're sat in a polisher you need something to keep your mind busy because it can get <laughs> quite repetitive so i've invested in a really good pair of headphones which i still have today yep. uh, podcasts or listening to like other detailing shows audiobooks, music. I, I kind of get bored with music after a while when listening to it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to listen to people talking. It engages the brain a bit more. Or gets you, it takes you off down rabbit holes. So I did a lot of that stuff in the early days. A couple of the American, I think it was Detail Talks, I think, um, that I listened to and they were talking. What A few of the episodes were about shop and the transition from mobile to shop life. Yep. Um, and then that was just like, once I heard those few episodes, it's like, okay, I want a shot. You sort of get, and then you get fixated and addicted to that. It's like, okay, every every extra job this week will go towards that big lump sum of money that I need to get into the shop. And it did, like it didn't take that long to get in there. Um, and you just build it slowly. Mm. <clears throat> no, it's a good story because, yeah, it is scary taking the, the, the jump. It is. It is very scary. And I, I was really worried about my customer base. And like I said before, you know, I thought, God, if I lose fifty percent of these people, I'll be down yep. a proverbial creek without a paddle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it works out if you put in the effort, if you put in the work. It's yeah, your own two feet will make it stand. So yeah, if you're committed enough, it will it'll float. Yeah. So what's the? How did you end up? Um, no, Maddie and Bushreps, where did all that start? So way back, um, so whenever I had my first website built, um, there was a guy who built it for me and he knew of Maddie. Um, so he was based in Coolum and her, I think her family used to live in Coolum. They'd live back up there now. Um, and he said he knew of Maddie being in it because she, back then she was detailing herself like she had those cleaning contracts and stuff um and he said oh why don't you touch base with madison lawrence you know give you know get in touch blah, blah blah she might be able to help and this is way early days for me so i i jumped on you know i sent her an email sort of asked her some tips and tricks you know how to approach certain businesses because i felt as well myself that if i was able to score way back in the early days a contract or two or like a a fleet or something like that that you know mm that takes a bit of financial pressure off. So, and, and I did that. I scored a couple of like medical businesses, you know, that had six or seven little Toyota Corollas that would transport oh, yeah. equipment and stuff around the coast. And a couple of businesses like Sparky's that had like six bands and stuff like that. And those things were, I treated them as the bread and butter. So they, they paid the bulk of what the bills were. And if you were able to score the random phone call that someone needs, a detail or whatever, or they're selling their car and they want it done for the weekend, blah, the usual stuff. Then I was able to slot those in. So yeah, I, I got in touch, reached out to Maddie and she and me back within a couple of weeks. Um, 
and yeah, so she sort of gave me some tips and tricks and whatever. And then she emailed me probably, I'd say about four or five months after that. Uh, and she was saying, because I think she was based in Rocky or Emerald at the time. Um, and she was moving back down to the sunny coast. So that's when she was in with the prime movers yep. and the trucks and stuff like that. So she then reached out to me. She needed someone to contract some of the detailing work out too. So I put my hand up and said, absolutely. Um, and then that's where we sort of are. We got to know each other and that's where the friendship sort of blossomed from there. Yep. She's been absolutely brilliant to me over the years. You know, she's been she's sent a lot of work my way. She's helped me get to where I am today. So I, you know, why I, I do owe her a lot for mm. bespoke detailing of what it is today. So she's yeah, nice. a legend. Because, yeah, I remember when we were at the, the Bushrats train and you – You'd done some PPF, like you said, but you hadn't just done the, the bushwrap stuff. Yeah, so way back whenever she started installing, so it was up in Coulomb. That's where she she got her first shot. And it was more like she was um, targeting the bigger vehicles and stuff, but the very first one that we worked on, which she touched on last week, mm. um, was a Prado. And we thought, oh, yeah, this this will be awesome. Like she, We had gone out to the States, so she tagged me on to her training exercise that we went out to california um sorry vegas oh, no, it was, no it wasn't it was california it was in anaheim where we did the training um and that was yeah after like two days of that we were just like what the hell are we doing this is this is not what this is not my skill set but you persevere you get there and um, like i remember we were doing like a front bumper of a like a three series an m3 beamer and it legit took three of us, like, nine hours. It was just soul-destroying. And so we got back from that, and one of Maddie's friends was like, yeah, you, you can wrap my car. And so it was a Prado. We thought it was brand new, or it was, you know, they had it since new, but we obviously I later found out that it wasn't because I was readjusting a piece of film on the, I think it was the back passenger side door, um, and I was sort of had sort of pressed down sealed the, the most of it. it was just the top leading edge where I was peeling it back to re-wet to with alcohol to really get it to stick as I was doing that pulled off a big chunk of clear coat and I <laughs> my like my stomach sank and I just went Maddie and she knew by my voice as well it was like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> so we learned a lot there. We thought like, we were like, oh yeah, we could get this done. But, you know, we could do this in like a couple of days. It took us five days, like 12 hours a day each. So it was a, a huge learning curve. Um, so yeah, I, I was obviously detailing my own business. And then whenever she got work through, I would jump on and help with all of that. Uh, and then she moved her business down into Brisbane. It just made more sense because she got really into the prime mover. Mm. and all those sorts of things who's going to want to drive a truck from brisbane to the sunshine coast it's like a two hour one way two and a half hours on a bad day maybe three that's six hours you've got to pay a driver to come up here drop the car or the, the truck off and stuff so it just made more sense mm. and honestly she hasn't looked back since then as well she's gone from strength to strength she's got that's like three shops now so yep she's done really really well no it's good and that how's that going for you after your training how that's yeah actually really well so it took a little while to i guess for me it was the confidence in myself to sort of 
push the bush wraps. Um, so once I had, like I'd ordered a kit, played with it on a car, it's like, oh, actually these templates are pretty good. They line up quite well. It's not that hard to apply. Um, and then it was, you know, anytime anyone, especially with a four-wheel drive comes in for a quote for a ceramic coating or anything, always try and give them options. So it's like, look, have you, do you know about bush wraps? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh yeah, we've seen the videos online especially the ones like them scratching at the screwdrivers and keys and nails mm. and brushes and all sorts. Um, and then I guess it has sort of filtered through, like, I, I don't know, I probably get five or six inquiries a month for a bush wraps kit. Um, and then it's just contacting the customer, you know, between the different types, the kit, the advance and the pro. Um, yeah. Just sort of make sure that it's what will suit for them. Yeah, because sometimes people think it is okay. Stick it on, never have to worry about it. It's in in a way, it's similar to a ceramic coating. You know, you have to look after it as mm. well. You know, it's just like anything in life. If you you know you, you don't want to buy a car for fifty, sixty plus thousand dollars, then spend a couple of grand getting parts of it PPF or it PPF and then neglect it. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that that stuff has been really good. I've noticed like I've done a um, Past couple of weeks, I've done two Y62s uh, and a MP300 Navara. Um, so they were good. The Navara actually was a kit kit I haven't used, to, so that's like the one year version of the oh, film. Yep, yep. Um, and that was actually so simple, really easy to apply. And then the last two were advanced. With one of them was a a full bonnet as well, which I was a bit worried about because it's. That's a two-person job, that one. So I had my <laughs> other half, Chelsea, so she, I roped her in to be the extra pair of hands for the stretch. But, yeah, that went really, really well. Customers absolutely stoked with that. Um, and I'd sort of tack on a few other bits and pieces. So I, I did, like, the all the piano blacks on the exterior, all the door. So I wrapped them in PPF, the backs of the mirrors, the A-pillars, inside the door jam. So I'll do the sills and stuff. Yep. Um and then any areas that haven't been PPF, I give them the option if they want to ceramic coat them. So for the Y62, it was one was chopped, one wasn't. So the, the standard, the non-chopped version that got the roof and the tailgate were ceramic, front and rear bumpers. Um yeah, and then the glass and stuff. So it was it's mm. good. It's really, really good. I really enjoy actually doing that stuff. It's quite nice. Um with the inquiry that's coming up, it'll probably be I don't know. It's probably five or six weeks worth of PPF jobs there if, if they all come through, which would be nice. Hmm. Is there many others around your area doing bush wraps? So there's no one else on the sunny coast, so I'm quite lucky with that, yeah. um, which is probably the opposite of what I can say with the coating side of things. Um, hmm. But, yeah, so I, I like that way it's done because it doesn't completely dilute the market. Yeah, You're not then – not that I'm – charging a huge price or anything like that but people then price gouge other people so that you get that price war and it's the race to the bottom it's yeah like, you know how much you're going to do the job for to to the point where you obviously you need to put food in your table every day so yeah it's all those things you've got to factor that stuff in the pricing um ppf you know yourself like it's quite hard sometimes it can be quite easy or sometimes it can be quite difficult so you could you know a panel might take you 30 minutes, whereas another time it could take you an hour and a half or two hours. Mm. So it's, trying, it's just trying to find that happy medium. 
Um, I know Maddie was talking about using Monday and she time tracks all of her panels and installs, which I think is a great idea. Mm. I heard you were saying last week as well that you've started to sort of keep a mental note or take note of your installs. And yep. Yeah, I have processes. for a while. Yeah, not yeah, okay. much individual panels, possibly something to work on. But, yeah, just the correction time because um, yeah. some of that's included in some of the packages. And then if we go over, we'll have to keep track of that. So Yeah, yeah. That, um, that is also another very hard – honestly, that's probably one of the, my challenges with detailing hmm. is when is enough, like when to stop, especially with correction. Yep. So I sort of – you know, we'll give a blanket introduction price of what a paint correction is, but it's obviously it all goes down to inspection of the vehicle and quality of the paint or condition. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, if someone books in a single stage, you know, you're working within a percentage of what you think you can achieve within that time frame. Nine times out of ten, I spend way longer than I should. Um, yep. And that's my own fault. I need to be better with myself with that, but I just want to, constantly like over provide for the customer i guess um i sell myself short the customer gets more but I, I get less yeah but that's not their fault that's mine so i, I need to control that better that's so that's still like what's this 2020 eight years it's still a problem i have today yep i'm 100 the same and even my wife picks up and she says you spend too much time i said well yeah, you sort of treat it like your own and you want it perfect, yeah. but, you know, it's yeah. not going to um, – a fine example was the other week, yeah. but that was sort of a, a sight unseen, which we sort of don't do, but a car 12 months old, you would yeah. think it's not too bad. And I got it and it was trashed. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was on top of our package. It was another seven hours of correction. Dark yeah. blue, yeah. full of piano, black plastic everywhere. It was Yeah, looked a million yeah. dollars, but um, – and I got – it got charged for it, so it was fine in that way. But um, yeah. yeah, and they were understanding how bad the condition it was, and yeah, I think a car twelve months old shouldn't be that bad, really. How bad? Could yeah, it be? absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's the other thing; it has a knock-on effect, you know, for the rest of your week or the rest of your bookings. You know, for example, oh. if you had that car, so I don't know, say you had time slotted a day and a half you know, for, for that job or a day or whatever, but you have the rest of your week full, or if that was in the middle of your week and you had jobs before and after it, yep. you're, you're pulling some mad hours to get that stuff finished. So you can also do the other, you know, it doesn't affect the other jobs. Yep. So that's where I say, not only does it affect your pocket, it affects your work time. You know, you spend 16 hours at work instead of 10. It affects family time you know, mm. all that stuff as well. So just snowballs and then end of the week. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And you feel like you're the one that has to cop it. So that's, yeah. yeah. If you can charge accordingly for it, the, the extra time you have put on it, that's yep. great. And you can get that. That's even better. So for sure. Did, but yeah, sometimes you do lose out and, but then it could work the other way. Like if you do a little bit extra and you think, oh, I've lost out that job. Then they go and tell someone else and they're like, oh, I want my car done. And then you might make yes. it up back in that way. Yeah, but. absolutely. And nine times out of 10, that's how it works. You know, like, you know, you'll, like I know a, a few months back, I had a lady with a Jaguar um, and the paint it was black. It was, black Jags were not built for Australian sun. <laughs> uh, the roof and the bonnet really started to cloud up. Um, car was only probably like five years old I'd say six years old um, so I gave it a 
have, you know, this unseen. I gave a basic price over the phone. And then when the car got here, I sort of said, look, this is going to take longer. It's going to cost, you know, a little bit extra, blah, blah, blah. But this is what I can do. Or if you want the next stage, this is also what I can do. So we sort of went in between. So I did like a little bit of a light sand on both the bonnet and the roof to sort of even it out to the sides of the car. And I just said to her, I was like, look, if you are going to keep the car, we'll protect it, whether that's PPF or ceramic, but you'll be back here in six months' time, you know, polished again, and it's mm. probably not going to be able to do it again to that degree because sanding you'll have removed a fair bit of clear. But, yeah, those sorts of things, like that, that was like a 1 a.m. finish. Mm. That should have been 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So, But you... I don't know. I get, I get fixated. You, you lose time. I do it with PPF as well. You put the headphones on, you disappear. And you know, mm. All of a sudden, you look at your watch and it's like nine o'clock and you're like, crap, I'm supposed to be at home. Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah. say this should be done by now, but I'm still going. You're like, Holy yeah. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's your products up there? What are you, you certified? So, I, I know. Yeah. So I'm a certified G Technic uh, in. Coating installer, awesome coatings. Um, look, probably be a bit of a sore thumb about it, but the, the one, I, I love the brand, I love the, the products, I love the coating. The one thing it, I wish there was a bit of control on how many people in the same area use the same pro, like same coatings. Um, there, there's so many installers up here. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I might start jumping in and sort of looking at other coatings and other brands to sort of not only just offer G Technic because I, I love those coatings, but offer them another op- customers another option. I, I do like that idea of maybe being able to cater to all needs as opposed to pushing what you can cater to. Yeah. Um, and then the PPF side of things as well. So that's that's all bush wraps, the same as yourself. Um same as you as well in that terms like i am not prepared to outlay that amount of money on plotters and digitizers and i was gonna ask that stock of film like (laughs) i've I've got the space here to do it absolutely but it's it's a little way off the off the track yet i think Mm -hmm. um but that's if if i feel like i need to i'll I'll probably do that but i'm loving installing the bushrack kits i think they're Mm. they're awesome they're good um they're massively hitting a need in the market. Yep. Um, yeah. So they've, they've done well sort of devising that product. Sort of, I know a lot of time went into that, like years in terms of building the templates and the profiles and mapping out all the cars. So that stuff is good fun. It's good fun to do. Mm. Gets you out of the sort of generic detailing work as well. Cause here I do everything, you know, from maintenance to full interiors to, corrections to uh, restoration so i've got a lot of a lot of background in texture removal and wet sanding and uh, post paint sort of yeah. you know, denibbing and all that sort of stuff and getting runs and stuff out so yeah i do a little bit of that not a lot of it up here I used to do a lot of that in melbourne like every car was like five days four or five days yep um whereas up here it's it's a bit, a lot of the correction, or sorry, the protection side of things is generally on newer vehicles. Um, I think people, I think it's really started the education of what a ceramic coating can do, especially away from the dealership 
So the, yeah. you know, the deals, that's where they make the markups and stuff. That's fine. But I don't like the dishonesty side of that, where they try and sell you something that isn't. It's not a miracle. It's not a diamond that they're putting on the car that's never going to break. Yep. Um, so, yeah. If anyone doesn't matter if they come to me for a ceramic coating or but if anyone's ever listens to this and is interested to learn more, call your local detailer, jump on their website, have a look, you know, what coatings they offer, you know, do they do PPF? Do they just do ceramic or whatever? Get in touch with someone because it's us as detailers are more than happy to talk all that stuff through with people. Um, yeah. The, the education of that, like, I guess going back to, sorry, on that as well, the education side of things in terms of the client and customer. When Maddie first sort of brought out PPF to the sunny coast and Brisbane and stuff, it wasn't known. Like people were like, what's what's PPF? What does that stand for? Mm. It's like paint protection film. So you had to do that whole spiel with them constantly, like what we would do with ceramic coatings. And it's just, I think, like it's been in America for decades. It's been in Europe for a long time as well. Um, it's slowly getting here. There's more and more shops, incredible places that offer the PPF um, with all the brands and Expel, Suntech and all that sort of stuff. Um, so people are more aware. They are seeing it more often. You know, there's these four-wheel drives, that shows on TV, the people have it on there. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting there. So I get a lot of people, instead of me recommending them to PPF, they're like, oh, what about PPF? Whereas I've noticed that probably in the last... I'd say 12 months or so with the customers asking about PPF as opposed to me telling the customer about PPF. And that's, it's not that you're trying to sell it to them, but to give them the idea of what it is, is so much easier because they kind of have a little bit of knowledge of it. And I always have cuts, like always have stock of film here. So I, like I had a couple of phone calls today of, with people. I had one on Friday, one today, sorry. Um, and they're like, I've seen it. I've seen the videos, but I don't know what it's like. It's like, just pop in, have a look. You know, I can put a sample piece in your hands. You can feel it. You can play with it. You can put a little bit on your car. You know, if you don't want to put it on your car, you can put it on something else. You can scratch it. You can, you know, we're all sensory. Yep. Anyway, so I think that stuff helps. Um, I've got a few ideas with, in terms of displays and stuff for, um, getting a couple of panels and doing sort of like 50-50s, 50% PPF, 50% ceramic, sort of, you know, a, a gauge for the customer to sort of play it with themselves. They can do what they like and destroy the panels. But it's a visual representation. It's, I know for myself anyway, like it's far easier to sell me something I can see and feel and touch. Whereas if it's something I'm reading about online, I'd far rather go to a shop and see what it looks like and, that sort of thing. It's easier for me to comprehend that. I know other people are different, but I'm sure there's other people out there like that. It's, it sinks mm. in a bit better for them. Uh, like you said, with the the dealership stuff, I, I can relate to Tay. Uh, today, uh, a customer said, yeah, well, yeah, he just brand new car, um, wants it coded. So he said, we all yep. know what that, obviously he didn't take up the dealership coding or whatever they're offering. Yep. He said, well, we know what that that is. Um, it's yep. not worth this and that. Yep. So um, I think the mentality of people these days, just when coatings is, is coming around, that um, dealerships are just not going to get that business anymore. So. No, no. It'll hurt them. You know, mm. they'll, they'll, they, you know, they will 
try and look elsewhere to make that back. Like, for example, I had a, a guy inquire, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, he's getting a new D-Max in a few weeks, and he was sort of touching base, like, oh, how much for a bush wraps kit? And then, you know, can you ceramic the other bits that aren't done? It's like, yeah, not a problem. So send them off a quote. He's like, that's cheaper than what the dealership paint protection was. So it's, yeah. it's a no-brainer, you know? So yeah. And it works. It's not a polish. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree with the um, the bush wraps or any film sort of displays. Um, I've got the little bonnet with the two pieces. Yes. So, yeah. Um, that works all right. It worked all right at car show recently to show people because they want to see that. And even people that come off the street come in, you, you get them an off cut and you show them what it's all about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed, education's a big thing. So yeah, huge. Um, and I think as well, a customer will value that more mm. if you're prepared to give that customer that information, a breakdown of all the different products or services that you offer, coatings or PPF or whatever. Nine times out of ten, they'll listen. And, you know, if you're able to provide them with constructive evidence or whatever, then they'll be more inclined to listen to that. Even if they go and call someone else and sort of price shop and whatever, if, you know, sometimes they'll get a vibe of someone who's just like, yeah, this is what we charge. That's it. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay, wasn't that inviting or whatever. So that can be a way to also win confidence. It's confidence is the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, what's the... I know you said there's a lot around you, but the culture up there, you, you, um, I know you're probably new to that area. Do you yeah. palm work off up there to anyone else? I you know? do. So I have done for the past sort of like couple of months, some of the smaller stuff, it's been harder for me to fit in mm. uh, or express or mini details sort of side of things. I try and get as much of it through the door as possible. I hate turning money away, but it happens sometimes, you know. Mm. Uh, there are a, a couple of detailers here. So like Joe at Clean Getaway, I've, I know of Joe and have done for years. Um, we've recently sort of crossed paths quite a bit. You know, I, I buy some of his auto fiber applicators and cloths and stuff from him. Good stuff. Uh, there's that. Another, yeah, it is. It is good. It massively helps. Really speeds up the coating application. Yep. Um, and I hated using suede applicators. I just found on certain paints, and sometimes it scratched the crap out of it. So you were brainstorming what else you could use anyway, you know. So they're they're perfect. Um, and then there's a couple of other mates. So like, there's a real good friend of mine, Alex, up here. He has a business called Coastal Detailing. He's a fully mobile dude, but does have his garage set up. He can do coatings and all that stuff as well. Um. But me and him, we we will lose. We'll catch up for a beer every few months or whatever, and it's the same thing. You know, you could be essentially like correcting a car. You know, you think, okay, I have this done in four hours, and then boom, it's ten hours later. It's like crap. It's dark. Need to go home. Um, yeah, well, we talk shop a lot. Um, and then there's a, few, a couple of others. Like when I was up in Noosa, I had a another mobile guy, Chris, up there. I think he's recently sold that business to somebody else. So, yeah, I had a, a network of other detailers that I would, you know, if, if a job wasn't for me or if I couldn't fit it in within that time frame, I'd always give the customer an option, you know, give Alex or give Chris or give Rick a call, you know. There's, there's, there's plenty of us out there. Yeah. So, yeah. No, the culture's not too bad. Like the scene and stuff, like I am sort of kind of new back into it again. So there's, there's only a few people I sort of speak to. So whenever I moved away in 2019 from the coast, 
We came back last year. So in that two years, I remember Noosa. When I started in 2014, there were three detailers on Google or Yellow Pages. It was me, Chris, and then a car care, another car care company. And we all knew each other. We all spoke quite regularly and whatever. And then by the time I left in 2019 in Noosa alone, there were 14. And that was only the ones that were registered in the directories and stuff. There were loads more just mobile people who were just word of mouth sort of thing or Facebook and stuff. So it's gone mental, the car wash, car maintenance side yeah, of things. Certainly has. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really blown up. Yeah. Be interested in the next probably 12, 24 months to see who, who will still be around because we'll see what happens next year. But yeah. With yeah everything. I agree with that. Mm. I agree with that. I've said that a couple of times with me and Chelsea. We have a chat every now and again about stuff. Or if we're out driving, you'll see like, oh, I don't know, making this one up, but AJ's mobile detailing, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's a new one. I haven't seen that one before and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But yeah, you'd be surprised how many will be still going in, like you said, 12 months or two years' time because I find sometimes it's it's sometimes a job that people think, oh, yeah, that will be good. That, you know, that shouldn't be too hard. Washing cars or cleaning cars isn't hard. And then they get the car and they get the buckets and pressure washer and go out and do it for five days a week and realize, crap, this means working in the sun for, you know, 40 hours a week. That's hard on your body. Um, so, yeah, a few people are just like, nah, stuff that. I'll go get a job somewhere else. So I mm. get it. Look, I was close at one stage myself. It's just like, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, in terms of the physical outlay of it, because it's detailing is quite demanding on the body, regardless if you work in a shop or if you're mobile, it's still yep. very physical. So, yeah, it's, it's like being in the gym for eight hours a day. I'd say, anyway, I'm not the healthiest of, healthiest of, or fittest of people. So, yeah, it's, no. it can take its toll on me. I get a sore back every now and again. So, <laughs> yeah, same. Can't yeah. I know what a gym looks like, but. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should. But um, is there anything we can improve in the industry? You reckon? Probably talked about it a fair bit. Yeah, I, I do actually. I think I really do think that the industry needs to be. I wouldn't say regulated, but mm. there needs to be some sort of recognition of people's uh, skill. Yeah. Um, so if that means I'm not down talking or sort of you know saying one's better than the other or anything like that but people who are out there maintaining cars or washing cars you know doing your backs and washes and wipe downs and stuff yes that's a service i offer within my business but i wouldn't classify that myself as detailing it's more like you don't call vacuuming your house and wiping down your benches you don't call yourself a professional cleaner um so i i guess in terms of especially with things like paint corrections and stuff um, knowing what you're working with, the material, the types of clears, the different types of paint systems, the thicknesses, and you know, working with different materials like plastics or glass or fiberglass or aluminium or metal, you know, all these different things. We need to learn about that stuff. It took me a long time to learn about that stuff myself, but I did it. Um, and I know not everyone does because everyone, not everyone, but some people will just think they'll go to I don't know, super cheap or Repco and pick up a polisher for 80 bucks or 90 bucks. Decent polishers, don't get me wrong, but it's 
I could give you a crappy polisher and you'll still do a good job. It's because you're skilled, you're able to do that. Yeah. Um, and you've got to learn from the bottom, like you've got to learn all that stuff. So I would say if we could somewhat regulate that side of the industry, because if you stuff something up like that, that's expensive either your pocket or your insurance or whatever. And if you're not competent to do those sorts of things, if you're burning paint or running edges or wrecking plastics and stuff like that, because you're not taping or masking off, just those little things, I guess. Like There, there are awesome detailers out there who offer training courses. Um, so again, like I'll jump back into, like if someone is thinking of getting into detailing, I would massively massively either get in touch with a local detailer who you know or you like or whatever because most of us will be more than happy to spread a bit of knowledge or tips or how to do things or whatever to give you a hand or help you i've done it for a few people um excuse me or go and get yourself some i know there's not a lot of places will give you a certification in paint correction because there isn't that but mm. you can go and do a two or three or four day course in how to decontaminate a vehicle properly, safely, um, polishing, sanding, all those techniques. You know, I, I think that side of things, I know panel beating and stuff is far more intricate. There's way more to think about that in terms of materials and stuff that you're working with. But I do think something needs to happen in that respect because the amount of cars I've seen over the years where, oh, yeah, I had such and such detail it, and it's just like they didn't detail it. They butchered <laughs> it. Yeah, I think that, that word detailing gets thrown around a little bit. Um, and that's even with myself, with that on my name, it's like, mm, do I need to change that? Because sometimes you don't want that aspect of work, like the maintenance washes and stuff, which we all start yeah. from and all learn yeah. from. But if you start to get to a point where you don't want to do that, maybe a, a drop that off and specialise yeah. in, in that field that you like. So Yeah, and that's kind of why me and Chelsea sort of played with the bespoke detailing side of things because yep. it was more not that I'm trying to chase away the smaller dollar work, but it can get time consuming. So if you're charging, I don't know, well, I charge $99 for my basic maintenance wash in and out, yep. but I've priced it like that because if I'm going to do it, I know it's probably, it's probably a fair bit more expensive than what the mobile guys are charging around here. Could be like 60, 70 bucks. But I have a massive overhead in the shop. Mm. Um, but also, I don't see, I even struggle with even the basic detail, like where to stop. Like it's literally a vacuum and wipe down and wipe out the door jams and stuff. I'm not removing all your rubbish from your car. I'm not going to fold your clothes that are in the back or sort out your center console and glove box. That's what a full interior will do. That's where those things will happen because I have the time to do that. Whereas my $99 is you have 90 minutes of my time. I'll spend 90 minutes on your car if you want me to prioritize the interior or the exterior, or you want me to do both. So allow sort of 30 minutes on the outside and 60 minutes on the inside. That's cool. But that's how I gauge it with people. So a lot of my stuff, I sort of say it's, it's, the, it's the time. You're buying the time. Hmm. Uh, if there's certain areas that you would rather done more than others, then let's have a chat. Let's discuss that. You know, and that's a lot of the things I do as well with not a lot, but a lot of customers when they come in and say, Oh, I want to get my car details or whatever. I sort of say, okay, what annoys you about your car? What's the area that 
pisses you off the most and they'll say that scratch there that stain or whatever or the smell or something they'll point it out so you know that okay i'm going to focus my area on those bits that upset the customer as opposed to me thinking of a scratch on the car that they probably don't even know it's there but i'm spending ages chasing that scratch out and then yeah. you can point it out to the customer when they come pick the car it's like i didn't know there was a scratch there it was just like Ugh. <laughs> so it's like that that was something i learned quite early it was you know ask the customer what they want yep. you know if, if you're able to physically walk around the car with the customer and say okay you tell me what you would like to be seen done with the car and that's what we'll do for you that's that's what we're here for so yeah no, and that's why i went down the bespoke line so that i can tailor it to that yep probably um like the ones that say oh, i want a full detail or what, how how full do you want? Like, what do you? Yeah. <laughs> what's my full detail to their full detail could be very different things. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it ends up yeah. just oh no, just in inside and out. Like, oh. Yeah. Just you don't want to polish then or correct it. No. Or, yeah. No. Yeah. You no. don't need the headlights done. You know all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Where do you start? Yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. No. Nice. Um, we'll do our um our six stage questions as well. Yep. Um, first ever detailing job. First ever. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll do it to when I was in Australia. So my first ever paying customer, um, was a lady. So I was in Noosa at the time, uh, packed up the van or I thought I had completely packed up the van, get to the job, do the outside, you know, get it washed or whatever. It was going to polish it, give it a wax, do the interior. So I had washed and decon the exterior and then it was like, okay, I'll do the inside first. And then I know how long I've got left that I can finish on the outside. So this is very early days, very, very green. Um, and realized that I had forgot to pack the tube for my vacuum, the, the vacuum hose. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, I'm like 25 minutes away from where I lived. Thankfully, my brother lived in Australia at the time. Um, and I, you know, called and called. He's a he sleeps in. Let's just say. Um, <laughs> so I was there calling and calling and calling, and I finally managed to get through to him. And I just said, I "Was like, can you please do me a massive favor?" And he went and got it. So customer never knew. Customer just thought whenever the other person rocked up, it was a staff member that was going to jump in and help with the job and whatever. <laughs> I did come clean at the end of the job. He's like, "No." My brother helped me out. He brought the thing, and blah 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 blah. But that was my first first job. It was a Toyota Land Cruiser in the like the emerald green. It was a 1997 seven seater. I think I charged 170 bucks, and I spent eight hours there, so I made nothing off that car. Yep. Um, not much. But yeah, you learn. You learn fast. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah. nice. Favorite polisher? What do you so, what you go I'm, to on? I'm a Roops man, so I use a lot of Roops. So I've got a few shine mitts as well, so the, the wax it um polishers. Um yeah, I love the Mark too. The mm. I have the big foot, so the, the twenty one and then I've got a duetto, so the the, the little three inch machine. Which I actually might buy. It's it's one of the very old ones. Like I probably bought that in twenty fifteen, late twenty sixteen or early twenty sixteen. So it's probably due an upgrade. 
I, I've serviced it, you know, changed the brushes and stuff. I've had to change the cord on that one a couple of times. But yeah, the the, the roots. Yep. And do you use um, their um, pads as well? I do use I use the cutting pads, so the the blue and yellow wool ones. Have you used those? Not the wool. I'm I'm interested for wool because yeah. I just use foam at the moment. I'm I'm interested yeah, to um, learn more, and I think yeah. they'd probably have a bit more cutting power than. Um... They're, they're incredible. So, mm. regardless of the compound that you use with these, so I'm, I'm years ago whenever they first sort these pads were hitting the market, I went to a root seminar uh, down in Brisbane. Decided was like that. Nah. I'm all about education. So if you mm. if you're able to spend a bit of money on yourself to sort of excel what you do and whatever or give yourself a bit more idea of what actually happens with these things or what you're doing is right. Uh, so I went down to this uh, thing in Brisbane, met Jason Rose. Um, he okay. was there. He ran the seminar. Um, so it was a full full day. It was, it was really good. It was at a, at a panel shop. So we what played year was this? The, that would have been 20, I think 2017 maybe, right. 2018. Um, I think he's coming back out next year. It sounds like they might have to, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Look, absolutely worth it. Mm. It wasn't that expensive. It was a couple of hundred dollars that you sit through the whole technology side of things and then they take you downstairs and you play with all the pads. But the blue pad, for example, so it's the, the coarse one. Um, I'm a big believer of starting with the least aggressive first and then moving, you know, if it's not yep. working, work your way up. So I use probably... 90% of my corrections is these blue um, composite pads, so the, the, the wool. Um, they finish so nicely. So you're then your next step of the finishing down is yep. a breeze. So I use a few different compounds. Um, God, my main compound is, have you heard of TLC, the last cut? No. no, so it's have, wax, yeah. it, wax it, sell it. Yep. So it's an American guy. He, he devised one years ago, and it was in a black bottle, and it was just the generic cutting compound. Smells of almost like cinnamon, like cherry cinnamon. Um, and then he brought out another one probably four years ago, and it's in a in a white bottle. It's got a blue label. It's the coarse cut, but that stuff finishes down really, really nicely. So then your finishing step after with your foam pad is minutes as opposed to you know spending a couple of hours polishing a car so you can correct the cars down with these on a da obviously rotary cutting is better it's quicker mm. um but yeah i sometimes i i love using a da I've, I've got a lot of skill with the rotary as well um but yeah th those those twisted loop uh wool pads will will change it for you buy yourself one one of each, a three inch, and buy. A, I don't mm. know if you use a five inch backing plate or a six inch. Yep, five. Just test it. So much quicker. I've done knock your correction um, by like half. I got the Maguire's microfiber. Use that a bit um, mm -hmm. here and there, but um, yep. yeah, you obviously get a, a used, little bit of marring yeah. from it as well. But um, yeah, I used to use microfiber loads, loads and loads and loads. But the and I'd have loads of like a. I used to have an addiction. Pads like I had, yeah. 
IKEA bloody clear tub boxes. Like I think I had like six hundred pads at one stage. It's like really this is a joke. Get rid of some of those. You don't use half of them. Um, so yeah, like I the foam. Yeah, I I used to use a lot of microfiber. I just find the whole blowing out, cleaning the pads and stuff that just adds so much time. I have it now down pat, obviously, with these. So with a compressor, just blow the pad out after every pass. That's all you have to do. There's no scrubbing. They don't clog as much as microfiber. Yep. Um, and they don't heat up as fast as foam. Mm. So you get your long They'll remove sanding marks, like 2,000 yep. grit. But it doesn't destroy paint. So it doesn't leave it like when you're you know heavily marred, like a microfiber will do sometimes, or a rotary. It doesn't yep. leave those pigtails or those deeper marks behind sometimes um obviously it depends on the compound you're using if you're using like a frackla which is like a g3 bloody yep. boat compound then you will destroy cars but yeah those those pads are game changers you're right well, and i, I love, love the, H, the hdo foam pads so the lake country yep so like a, a two-ply pads so they've got like a foam back and then you've got your color coded for whichever grid, you know, cut, medium, light, or whatever. So I use a lot of those pads as well there. They're awesome. Wow. I will have, um, I think, Maddie Gibb on um, soon, and he will probably talk a lot more about pads as well. Yes, yeah, technology, he knows all about that stuff and loves it. So yeah. um, probably a bit of a hard one, ceramic or PPF? <laughs> uh, a few of the guys that you've had on previously have said, and I agree with, they both have their place. Yep. Um, if it's for a maintenance aspect, ceramic, it's going to make the maintenance side of things so much easier. If it's for pure protection, PPF. Yep. 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 Or if uh, you want both, put a PPF coating on top. Yep. I ceramic do PPF. Yep. I do that. Yep, that's good. Uh, favorite detailing tool or product? This is why this is really hard. I, I find this really hard. So I remember, um, obviously my first polisher, like getting my well, first time using the roots. So I, when I ordered that, it was just like, oh my god. Um, then it would have been the tornador. So for interior, that that thing was just like, why have I been struggling so long with a vacuum and a bloody brush why haven't i been using this for years because i've had a compressor for years why haven't i been using this for years um i meant extractors and stuff like that but i would probably say favorite product or favorite tool um that is so hard <laughs> um god i i get geeked out i like little stupid things sometimes so i got a couple of years ago, I got a like a bracket that would hold open doors or boots or bonnets for you. Yeah, they, so yeah. You, you used to have me. So I remember. Yes, so I remember when the first time when I bought one of those because you know doing that fine edge work to make sure that you weren't cutting, you know, burning edges or anything like that, or even yeah. just for coating. Sometimes it makes it easier. That when I got that, it was like, oh my god, this is game changer. And then the tornador and all those sorts of things. So probably I'll. I'll go stupid and I'll say polishers. Yeah, I can't live without those things. They're they're my bread and butter. Yeah, they make us look good some days. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Biggest tip for a detailer starting out? 
you probably gave a few. Um, education. Yeah. You you can you can never know enough. Yeah. And I think the point where you stop learning, you're already behind, in my opinion. Um. So if you're not prepared to sort of, I do it like nearly enough every single. So I order from all different companies. Um. And near enough every month, I'll order something new to sort of have a play with and whatever. As soon as you stop doing that stuff, I find anyway, you will fall behind or you'll just be out of the loop in terms of what's changing or what's coming new. But education, you you can never have enough of it, whether that's through a detailing course or watching videos online or YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Education's key. Yeah. No, we all say about um invest back in yourself or your business that's 100 one yeah 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 and actually probably another one then so i'm not very business minded like numbers and tax and all that sort of stuff go do something whether that's like a bookkeeping course or or just get someone who's a professional in that field it's very similar to a detailer mm. someone who's got a scratch in their car is going to come to you to fix it they're not going to try it themselves so why try something that you can't do properly? Give it to a professional. I know it's scary in the beginning in terms of the outlay, the money and all that stuff. But look, you save yourself a world of hurt down the track. If, you know, Being self-employed, if you want to get a house or a loan or a mortgage or a car or whatever, having these things ironed out from the beginning or early before they become something that you don't pay attention to and then it costs you a lot of money to fix. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my downfall, like, way on. Back in the day, yeah, I was terrible with um, bookkeeping, and so my wife's yeah, got the gig now, so, and she's awesome at it, so. Yeah, perfect, perfect. It does help big time, so. Yeah. Um, she practically does the job for the accountant for them, really. They, yeah, I think, awesome. Money for well, all for those them. things like um, like a zero or mile mm. or those things, they make it so much easier, and I. I and, you, it, like, I have an accountant, so. Um, every, I think it's every, I'm not sure if it's every month or every six weeks, they just log in, make sure that I'm up to date with my reconciling, my invoicing, they check my GST and all that sort of stuff and make sure that that's all good. If it's not, they then send me an email or give me a call and it's that easy. They just jump in, have a look for 10 minutes, jump back out. That's it. Yep. So it's, it's not like what it used to be where everything was on bloody paper and you had books and stuff and you yeah. had to keep it for seven years and all this sort of stuff all that stuff yeah so yeah no yeah. it is one thing and i know um steve talked about um steve o'connor so he talked a fair bit about numbers and stuff as well yeah and um yeah it's a big thing and probably one more what's your interests outside of detailing yeah so i've, I've got a few so i love football or soccer as he's always oh, soccer yep yeah, so I'm up. I'm a Manchester United fan, so I'm up at stupid o'clock sometimes to watch football matches. Um, what else? I used to play a lot of golf, um, and then we just got a puppy a few weeks uh, about a month ago. So yep. it would be our weekends are usually taking her out either to the beach or going out for brekkies and taking the dog along with us. Um, I love renovating, stupidly. Hi. Little side projects always on the go. Yeah. Um. What else? And um, yeah, sport generally. I could yep. watch paint. <laughs> I love my sport. Oh, nice. Oh, thanks for coming on, 
Rudy, it's been good. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. So how can people um, reach out to if they want more info? So they can, yeah, they can reach out through either the business social, so Bespoke Detailing, both on Instagram and Facebook, or they can reach out to me personally. Um, so Rudy Carnan is my name. So, yeah, drop us a message, whether that's on Facebook or shoot, shoot the business an email. If you have any questions, if there's any other detailers out there that want to get in touch or someone new starting, by all means, get in touch. I'm more than happy to have a chat and yep. spin some yarn and waste a bit of time. Good <laughs> for that. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it was, um, no, I always thought of getting you on. So, yeah, no, Thank was, you. thanks for making the time. We have been chatting about it for a few weeks. and yeah, That's all good. And this, you're not the only one. We're all trying to line up times and dates at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's, that's all good. And thank you very much. I think what you're doing is good. It's good for the community because, like you know yourself, you've listened to Body Countless podcast. There's loads in America. There's quite mm. a few in Europe. Yeah, we don't have anything like that here, so it's it's good. It sort of gives a grasp of the the landscape for all the other detailers out there. You know where people are, what other people are doing. Yeah, you know, it's good. Keeps you informed. It's nice. Yeah, because I speak to a lot. Like we're all sort of professionals, so um, we always trying to cater for the enthusiast guys as well so i'm trying to get some other product companies on um not so much super professional line but then work our way down to the enthusiast line and yeah Yeah, there's other enthusiasts out there that listen probably and um yeah yeah it's not all just about us professionals trying to absolutely and look another thing if an enthusiast has listened to this and wants to get in touch even if it's with me or yourself by all means reach out i'm more than happy you know if someone wants to ask a an opinion of a product or how to do this or do I clean my wheels properly or blah, blah, blah. Mm. Just give me a call or pop in. I can show you that stuff. I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. Now there's a lot of enthusiasts out there that do want to look after their car properly and Absolutely. Yeah, and they love it. So yeah, yeah, we're not just all about the professionals. We are um, trying to cater for the enthusiasts um, out there as well. So, yeah. but yeah, if you know any, anyone out there wants to come on. Give yeah, us a- for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll send a couple of messages out to, a few people. I, I do think Meander from um, Detail Mode in Melbourne. She she'd be an awesome story. Yep, I did get there. Um, there was one recommendation for them when I reached out the on the cool. female request page. Yep. So um, yeah, that was definitely one. So cool. trying to mix it up all over the the country at the moment. So yeah, we had a fair run on Melbourne Melbourne details. Yeah. So we'll try and yeah. mix it up a little bit with yourself yeah, in Queensland sure. and. Um, yep. I'm working on a, um, on a couple other more and yeah, there's a few more that, um, want to come on. We're just trying to get dates and times aligned yeah, and absolutely. stuff like yeah, that. Schedule, and scheduling will be the hard part. It is. And I'm probably not the easiest one to, to schedule around with what I do as well, but, um, it's good for yourself, like making the time during a, during a work day. Oh, and, um, and, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. It's good. It's not, it's not like I do get to do this stuff every day. So nah. this is, this is, this is good fun. Yeah, and it breaks up my day as well when I'm yeah. um, detailing. So, yeah, I'll yeah, uh, finish cool. here and go and muck around with the car. So, yeah, Perfect. Good on yeah. you. All right. All right, Dale. Well, thank you very much. appreciate it, man. We'll we'll keep in touch and I'll chat yep. to you soon. Yeah, no, awesome. And then for those who don't know, um, I haven't mentioned it too much, but there, I do throw it in at the um, start of each pod with our sponsor being Autofiber. So Rudy uses it. I've been using it. And, um, yeah, the applicators are awesome. And the yeah, so even even things like the dry tiles and stuff. Like, yep. they're awesome because it's that twisted loop technology, so it's better suction. Yeah, as opposed to just like chamois should be 
put in the bin. Yes, they were great <laughs> back in the day, but they make they make detailers money because they, they scratch the crap out of cars. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they've got a, a whole heap of stuff there. They're they're good. Joe's yeah. a good guy to do. So get on Auto Fiber um, Australia um, and check them out. So yeah, he's got a huge shipment of um, stock at the moment. So it's been pretty good. So um, they'll give you the discount. So yeah. All the details are in the, in our ads anyway, so which is pretty yeah, cool. Perfect. All right, thanks, Rudy. No worries. Thank you very much, Matt. We'll chat soon, mate. Take care. Have a good thanks. one. Cheers. That was another episode of the Detailing Down Under podcast. Subscribe now for everything auto detailing in Australia.